In a world with too much pop culture to consume, one woman and one man will argue about it until they get bored. It's an epic battle between obsession and indifference, and the winner will determine, well, very little actually, Emily Jones and Eric Johnson star in Giant Geek vs. Mega Noob. Whoever wins, we're still losers. Welcome to Giant Geek vs. Mega Noob, the podcast where we argue about something one of us is totally obsessed with. And the other has never even seen. I'm Emily Jones. And I'm Eric Johnson. If this is your first time listening, you can find more Giant Geek vs. Mega Noob at gvnpodcast.com. And you can also find all of our past episodes on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. It's time for part two of our Watergate weekend. Today is the anniversary of a little historical event that you might have heard of, the break-in at the Watergate Hotel. What? Uh, Yesterday, we watched All the President's Men, the movie that most people associate with this scandal. But now it's time for the real story. Finally. Oh, my God. I've been (laughs) waiting for the, the, the truth to finally be settled. Today, we're watching the 1999 movie Dick, a somewhat more lighthearted take on the affair that offers a guess at the identity of Deep Throat before that was revealed in real life. It stars Kirsten Dunst and Michelle Williams as a pair of D.C. high schoolers, Dan Hedaya as Nixon himself, and plenty of other comic actors as the Nixon White House rogues gallery. Oh, and also reporters Woodward and Bernstein. But I have never seen it. Which is really just so unfortunate for you, because it's delightful and, again, (laughs) reveals the truth of Deep Throat. Regardless, I, of, I'm glad to finally have those misconceptions cleared up. Regardless of what Woodward and Bernstein and the guy himself all say, <laughs> this is what really exactly. happened. <laughs> I saw the trailer for this movie. That I, a movie theater near me was replaying it. They put it back in theaters recently, and so it's I random. saw the trailer for this movie. Uh, yeah, a couple months ago. Um, I have a feeling they are doing it just for uh, political trolling reasons. But in probably. Any case, <laughs> We have a much better reason, which is it's the 46th anniversary, I think, if I remember correctly. And I mean, who doesn't celebrate their 46th anniversary? It's like the most important anniversary. What's what's the gift for forty six? Like fifty is like is like diamond, right? And then Um, I'm not sure. Papers in there somewhere. First is paper. Um, First is paper. I don't know. Let's find out. According to according to the Google. 46 doesn't have a gemstone color or traditional theme, but it does have a modern-day theme of poetry yeah, that you can use for your ideas. That's, which what is... I'm, that's what I'm finding, too. That's so weird. All right, well, let's make the official present of the 46. Let's make it a podcast, then. Okay, yeah. No, I support that entirely. All right. So, um... To find this movie, uh, like most things we watch, you can rent or buy it on Amazon, Vudu, or iTunes. All right. Uh, so I'm going to do that. You all should do that, too. I think, Emily, you probably have this movie committed to memory by now, but you should go watch it again, too. Yes, And I will. Uh, we will come back from this break. And we're going to spoil what happens in the movie when we come back. So, you know, you should definitely watch it. Oh, 
And we're back. We just watched Dick, the 1999 comedy starring Kirsten Dunst and Michelle Williams, and really telling the true story of what really happened uh, after the Watergate break-in. So, uh, before we get to what I thought of this movie, Emily, why do you love it so much? It's just so silly and fun. Like, it's, it's just like, it's just a very funny movie that I find delightful and enjoyable. Um, you know, there's not, I don't really have many deep reasons for liking it. I just find it entertaining. Uh, Many deep reasons? Yeah, no, I don't have any deep reasons. Um, I just, I just think it's really funny the way that they sort of Forrest Gump their way through (laughs) the Watergate scandal, but in this, like, you know, I think, I think really honestly what, what carries the movie as funny as so much of it is, like, I think, I think what really carries the movie is Kirsten Dunst and Michelle Williams, um, who are both so good at playing these, these like sort of ditzy, vacant teen girl characters who I won't say that they have more going on under the surface because they don't like intellectually, <laughs> but like, you know, they have, they have kind of like, they have like this sort of heart and moral compass to them that no one right. really gives them credit for in the movie. And I mean, I, I clearly both of them have proven to be, you know, throughout their careers, uh, as their, as their careers continued after plenty of instances of playing high schoolers, as both of them did, um, you know, they're two of our they're two of our great female actresses. So it's like obviously <laughs> they do a great job with with, you know, really providing some some sort of depth and heart and, and really making you like making you get invested in what could be like ridiculous caricatures of, of teen girls. I don't know. I just I just think it's delightful, the whole thing. <laughs> I'm I'm revealing a bit of ignorance here. I mean, I know Kirsten Dunst from the Spider Man movies, but what else has Michelle Williams been in? I feel like I've probably missed some important Oh, movies. lots of stuff. Um Michelle Williams, she's been like nominated for a couple of Oscars. She's uh the thing that's coming to mind most recently is that she was in um uh, Manchester by the Sea a couple years ago. Oh yeah, I didn't see that. Yeah. Um yeah. yeah, she was she was like the ex-wife in that Brokeback Mountain. She was in Blue Valentine with Ryan Gosling. Um she's she's been in a lot of of that variety of like really high profile kind of like award season awards like, yeah, yeah i was I'm, i was yeah like a, like award season artsy kind of things and Kier- yeah, Kirsten- I mean, I've, I've heard good things about both those movies i don't mean to like diss them but oh I'm no i mean i haven't seen like, i haven't bait, but- i haven't seen all of the i like i haven't i yeah. horrifyingly haven't seen brokeback mountain so um no you don't have to know who everyone is that's what i'm here for yeah uh, anyway. and kirsten, kirsten dunst also you say you know kirsten dunst from the from the spider-man movies but like also uh, we should say like kirsten dunst is in a bunch of stuff including like a hell of a lot of sofia coppola things um uh, you know I think she's all of which in i've missed <laughs> yeah she's in she's in the uh sofia coppola marie antoinette and she's in the virgin suicides um she was in bachelorette which was like a super underrated comedy with her and lizzie kaplan and uh Isla Fisher and Rebel Wilson. Um, so anyway, they're both they're both really great actors, as you can see the <laughs> seeds of in this movie. Um, you know that that was that was my point. Is it's just like I mean, clearly these teenagers we're working with here, like, are great. These actors. were future stars, yeah, yeah. So um, so anyway, that's who they are. Yeah, well, I, I I don't know. I think this would have been better as a miniseries, to be honest. This movie, <laughs> but <laughs> sorry, sorry, you wanted, you knew I was you wanted more of, of it. <laughs> 
<laughs> well, no, but it does. It really brings the satisfying ending, both for Woodward and Bernstein. It does. And to the movie that I was looking for <laughs> in All the President's Men. I mean, I just can't watch Woodward and Bernstein report that story without having a slow motion walk through the offices of the Washington Post to the strains of Yes playing. I mean, come on. <laughs> I will say, yeah, that was probably, um, I, I agree over this very, very silly, fun movie. Um, very different for, from, oh, yeah. from All the President's and, Men. It's, and it's and actually, obviously, like, in case, in case my complete sarcasm wasn't clear, obviously oh, yeah. this movie is seriously untethered from reality. Like, I'm kidding about oh, yeah. it being But a in a great story. way. I mean, it's, it's, it's a lot of fun, though. Right. Uh, but I will say that it, I think this was like, you know how they say that generational nostalgia goes in waves of 20 years? Mm-hmm. So this would have been coming out, like, about 25 years after after Watergate, if this is mm-hmm. in the late 90s. Um, and I, I will say that the, the soundtrack in this movie is excellent. Oh, like, yeah. I was already really enjoying it, and then at the end when Nixon has resigned and they get to You're So Vain, I was like, okay, good, so done. You, you, you picked well. <laughs> well Whoever and, was the soundtrack supervisor in this movie, good oh, job, yeah. you get an A. Well, and it's interesting because I was thinking, um, I was thinking too, because I was also noting the soundtrack more than I have in the past. Um, yeah. And uh, especially having just watched All the President's Men yesterday that was actually made in the 70s, I think it's so funny, and I mean... Movies, movies that are set in a certain time period made after the fact always make heavy, very often make heavy use of, of period music to like try mm-hmm. and try and set the scene or whatever. Right. Um, it's a shortcut to like, like hey, like, remember this time? Well, like to, 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 to call back to the post yet again it's like literally like for basically no reason at all the post opens with like a scene in <laughs> vietnam credence. set to credence and it's like oh yeah just in case we weren't clear that this was the 70s like we've got credence i was playing. actually when that start when that movie started and it was credence in a scene in vietnam i was like oh no is this movie gonna be bad i know me too <laughs> i had the same thought that was, I was like, like a huge like red flag it was like yeah. the worst scene in the movie <laughs> yeah well and so but i was thinking I, I don't know i feel like that i feel like that um probably just because of the amount of like intense legendary music from the time. Like I feel like that, that effect is particularly pronounced in movies about the seventies. And so Mm -hmm. I was thinking, I was like, it's so interesting how like seventies movies set in the seventies made after the fact have these kick ass seventies soundtracks and movies actually (laughs) made in the seventies don't necessarily have them. Um, you know, cause I'm, I'm thinking about like, I don't know, like I said, that, that happens with, that happens with a lot of eras, but I think about like, remember the titans and oh, for god's sake almost famous like you know these movies that are set in the 70s that like basically are their soundtracks you know well i mean the the original though was a movie made in the 70s about the 60s which is american graffiti george lucas's first True. film Good which point. he wrote in all the songs into the script like as the because the whole movie you know they're listening to the wolfman jack radio station throughout the whole movie and so he wrote all the songs that be playing in the background throughout is this the time to note I've never seen American Graffiti? Uh, uh, but anyway, back to this nostalgia. Back to Dick. Um, which, <laughs> yes, back to Dick. I love how they make they just make rampant use of that throughout the movie. Like, yeah, well, the, and it's there, so there was immature, a TV series. 
there was a TV series like a year or two ago called I Love Dick. And oh, yeah, the, the, which, with Kevin Bacon. Uh, the title was, you know, they, they say that in this movie. And it's like, oh, well, this movie made that joke, you know, 20 years ago. I love that they did that twice. The, like, yeah. they're having a conversation that has context, and then the music suddenly stops and they shout. Say what? Just say it, because I already know. All right, I love Dick. <laughs> That joke twice like yeah um I, I i will say that i think so the soundtrack was 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 really fun and the other thing that i really enjoyed about this movie was just the plethora of at the time already established like comedic actors mm-hmm. so not even will ferrell who was still up and coming at the time but i'm talking about uh dave foley from kids in the hall playing haldeman yes uh, you had harry shearer play playing uh g gordon liddy um, uh, who who he is? Oh, and then I mean, he's not really a star then or now, but um, the guy playing um playing um Kissinger, uh, mm-hmm. he had a major role on Frasier. Um, oh. he he was a he was a uh, recurring character for 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 a, a long while on Frasier, and so as soon as he walked in, I was like, wait a minute, is that is <laughs> that the that boyfriend? Guy. Is is that the guy? Yeah, you know. Um, yeah, so there, no. there are a lot of people, a lot of friendly faces, a lot of familiar friendly faces in, in this movie and, that and I like. And Anna Gasteyer as the secretary. Oh, that was Anna Gasteyer. That was Anna Gasteyer oh, with okay. the recording equipment in her in It's Rosemary Woods, yeah. Yep, who, yep. Who's, yeah. Um, no- I love Nixon's the fact that they... notorious secretary. Right, exactly. So I guess for people who haven't listened to Slow Burn, Rosemary Woods is the secretary who uh, took the... Uh, blame i guess or or, mm-hmm. or kind of made made the excuse for why there was 18 and a half minutes of missing tape on the watergate recordings who who said that oh she accidentally bumped the thing or the, yeah. she had some sort of alibi for it which then people later determined was extremely implausible and it was probably deliberately erased mm-hmm. um but the fact that they maintained the accuracy of that point, yes. the fact that uh, the, the the love note to Dick <laughs> was recorded at Rosemary Woods's desk, I love the fact that and they, they have her movie just for that long. reason. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you've been talking for 18 and a half minutes. Yeah, that was great. <laughs> I can't keep my feelings inside any longer. Before. Not even Bobby Sherman, like I'm Fifty year old. Oh, Jesus. What the real thing. And I realize that you're married. And Water in my ass. He'll crucify me if they hear this. Check her, shut up. Well, figure the Chinese. It goes like So I love I love the way that they that they do that. Like they they create yeah. an excuse for the eighteen and a half minutes. Um but I also like I I have to say, and this is something that I didn't really realize that didn't strike me before. It didn't didn't really hit me until the first time I watched this movie after listening to Slow Burn. Was uh-huh. there is a fundamental kernel of truth in this movie, which is the drastic paranoia of the Nixon White House and like yeah. related paranoid incompetence. Like, the whole reason all of this happens is because they're irrationally paranoid that these two 
like airheaded girls who have no idea who any of these people are or what's going on. Like they happen to see them at the Watergate and in the White House and they immediately think that like, oh, they know too much. And it's like if they didn't act on that paranoia, if they were slightly less paranoid, none of this would happen. Exactly. (laughs) Which is true of like all of it. Literally, as soon as pot cookies became a plot point, I wrote down in my notes, uh, pot cookies, arrow, paranoia, question mark. <laughs> and so I so I was uh, I, I was not, I was not able to predict all the jokes in this movie, but I got one. I, got, I predicted one. <laughs> I just it's just such a delightful concept too. the idea that they like inadvertently got Richard Nixon high. Like, oh, yeah, that's and then so entertaining. It. I, I will say, actually, so t- two, two thoughts about historical accuracy. One, I love the things that were changed, uh, such as Nixon having a replacement checkers just for the sake of having a dog who they could walk. Like, I, I, I love, like, you, you know the deal with his his original dog checkers, right? The historical. No. no. You don't know? I don't know the story of checkers. Okay. So American history major, move aside. Because, because Watergate, as we've discussed previously, uh, high school like history being inadequate in this country, um, for I think our generation, Watergate is like the end of history that we get taught in high school. I didn't get to and- Watergate in, in high school. You didn't get to watch. Well, okay, nope. it was the end of what I learned in high school. But in any case, <laughs> we didn't get to um, the end of Vietnam either. So <laughs> <laughs> we're still there. Weird. <laughs> I know. Um, but one of the things we know, did like, spend a whole day as, on, as far as I know, like as honestly as far as I know, a couple of teenage girls convinced Nixon to declare that the <laughs> Vietnam War was over. As far like, as you know, this movie's a documentary. Yup. Yeah. <laughs> um. So. We didn't have time to get to, you know, the Reagan presidency or or the first Bush presidency or anything in my class. But in ninth grade history, we spent an entire day talking about the Checkers speech, which was a famous speech that Nixon gave in 1952 when he was on the ticket with Eisenhower. Eisenhower was running for president. Nixon was running for vice president. And Nixon got caught taking a lot of gifts and money from people who should not have been taking stuff from during the campaign. And so he gives this big speech where he talks about how he's a good, decent man who would never do anything improper, but, you know, uh, and how he's going to keep one of the gifts, which is a dog named Checkers that his family has come to love. And so this was, uh, this was like him, you know, showing the American public saying, that I am Richard, not a crook. Richard Nixon is a trustworthy guy. That was the point of the checker speech. Is, saying, is I am Nixon, not a crook long before he actually literally said, I'm not a crook. Yeah, no, I'm not a crook was during Watergate, I think. No, no, that's what I'm the, saying. But he's basically yeah, saying, yeah. he was basically saying essentially the same thing long yeah. before he literally said those words is what I was trying ba- to Back the first time he was a crook, yeah. Yeah, well, <laughs> See, I know the checker the speech time was him saying, I'm going to keep checkers, the dog. And then, uh, so that's the whole point of why this dog is checkers and his aides are saying, shouldn't you call it by, by, its, by its real name? And it's because he, he's, he's calling it by, by the, the name of his original dog from real life. Oh, God, I totally missed that. I mean, I knew he had a dog named checkers, but I didn't realize it was like a replacement dog. Yeah. <laughs> I had no idea. Um, and also, like, that's, well, that's, see, and that's the thing, is, like, I, I, I mentioned, I think, yesterday that that I was certain that there would be things in this movie that I catch or appreciate more or find funnier now that I've seen all the President's Men, which is absolutely true. Um, yeah, there's so much. Yeah, there's so the much! Like, the thing <laughs> with the counting. You don't have to answer. We'll say the names. We'll just count to ten, and if you don't hang up, that's a confirmation. 
what? And that's exactly what I was yep. getting at. At like, can you imagine going to an editor with like that being the grounds for confirmation on your story? I mean, it could easily be that your source's mom stuck their head in the in the door and distracted them, and they yep. didn't even know that you were doing that. Um, but anyway, the uh, well, also uh, the duct tape on the door during the initial uh, <laughs> the initial heist, where it's like, oh, this way the, the, the mom won't hear us when we come back well, in. You well, know? I think that's um, that's another thing I, I I wrote down as I noted that as well that it happened. But that's one of those things that I think is is just real. Like, oh yeah, no, it's real. It's like that's yeah. a, that's like that's like a real fact of the burglary, and like I just love how much a part of like cultural knowledge it is that it figures so prominently in both movies because everyone like every everyone on the planet i didn't get to watergate in high school and yet i know <laughs> that they taped the door like <laughs> <laughs> because um, of this movie it educated you yeah I, yeah i did watch this movie in high school so um which is I, a little I hard to believe up... <laughs> sorry yeah you, you watched this movie in high school yeah and <laughs> not not all the president's men yeah like like in a high school classroom like right <laughs> America's educational system at work. I will also hey, note that in this great. movie, in this movie, they they don't explain the committee to reelect the president. They just say it's a list of creeps. Yes. <laughs> Everyone on the no, which so, I loved. Well, at some at some point, um, much much later, uh, when they're finally on the phone with with Woodward and Bernstein, one of them says, "Creep, the That's committee true, to yeah. reelect the president." But no, for a long time, they're like creep list. I don't know. I guess all the people on that list must be creeps. Mm-hmm. <laughs> which i mean yeah not uh, wrong. but but uh what was i gonna say oh i actually i i have to say i was kind of um i was surprised watching all the president's men how quickly woodward and bernstein's relationship turned from that initial little conflict they had over uh bernstein rewriting the copy to mm-hmm. like a close close collaboration and like strong working relationship because I just assumed that there must have been like a whole bunch of rivalry between them. That's that why this... be showing up in the garage. <laughs> that's why this movie, like the entire basis of their relationship is the two of them just like sniping at each other constantly. <laughs> what are you doing here? I, I just came to make sure that you were all right. You did not. You're trying to horn in on my source. You get to meet Deep Throat. I'm the one who actually saw that movie. I, I I love the fact that they maintained not only that sniping relationship, but also Bernstein's movie accurate hair. Like they they, <laughs> they 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 didn't bother to have Will Ferrell dress up like Robert Redford in, in the movie, but they nailed the hair for for Dustin Hoffman's hair. <laughs> well, and the way that especially like the first time he gets up and walks across the newsroom to be like, "What are you working yeah. on, Woodward?" Uh, the way he like the way he like brushes his feathered hair out of the way. Like, it's so yep. perfect because <laughs> it is really I, ridiculous hair. <laughs> I, I think I think I'm I don't know this as fact, but I'm ready to state it as fact um, that whoever sure, was we writing should this always movie, do that. Uh, that that whoever was writing this movie, they had all the president's men on the background while they were going. Oh, because, absolutely. For example, when when they're talking about um, when they're on the phone doing what they think is a crank call, talking to Woodward, <laughs> and they say, "Meet us in the parking garage next to Garfinkel's." Uh, Garfinkel's was the same department store that was name checking all the president's men. That was where the the wrong when they go to the the apartment of the wrong woman, where they have the name oh. wrong. And, oh, yeah, and, she's a clerk uh, at Garfinkel's. You're right. Yeah, she says, "I'm an accountant at Garfinkel's," and so I, I'm pretty sure they just picked and, and pulled like little little like bits and pieces here, and I was like, "Oh, that could be the name of this thing in, in this script." That's I'm all 
also that's also where they said Michelle Williams' dad sold shoes. I think. Um, I could be wrong about. Oh that. yeah, but um, yeah, no, it sounds right. Yeah, but uh, no, I think I think that seems absolutely true because again, like despite my not having seen it until yesterday, I, I don't mm-hmm. think it's I don't think it's a stretch or at all inaccurate to say that that uh, all the president's men, for all intents and purposes, is our collective cultural record of of Watergate. It's how like most people know and interact with it. So, um, so no, even if they weren't, didn't literally have it playing in the background, like it, it obviously informed this like a lot, like all, a lot of details and jokes and stuff. As soon as, as soon as they go to like, um, I guess it was in the, yeah, it was in the break in scene where, um, the shot that they used, where they were looking down on the floor where the breaking was happening, I would have to match them up side, side by side. I'd have to look at them side by side. I'm reasonably confident that they found the same floor, <laughs> like to shoot into the same, like the, the same floor of the Watergate complex. It looks, for, it to, looks to really this. similar, yeah. And also, um, when they run into uh, G. Gordon Liddy, as far as you are concerned, I have no identity at all. As a matter of fact, I'm not even here. It was exactly what the lawyer says in the courtroom yeah. and all the president's men. Yeah, there's so there's so 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 much. Oh, and also, um, one of the first things I wrote down was yes, I do appreciate this moment now. Uh, and one of the things is the way that it opens. I mean, after the like flash forward interview with Woodward and Bernstein, it right. opens on the typewriter. With the typewriter, and yep. there's like, and of course, that's <laughs> that they're writing a fan letter to <laughs> some celebrity. But um, but it's you know still works though. It's very much it's still very much like aping all the president's men like a lot. So yeah, <laughs> um, it's charming and delightful, and there may not be much it, more to say funny. about it. <laughs> no, it, I mean it's just funny that normally for this the format of this podcast, like you know the noob is getting the the, the full education in something they've missed, and I feel like by showing you all the president's men, you know, and then watching yeah. this like. You put together the the puzzle, you know, backwards a little bit. Absolutely, <laughs> like all the president's men was like an education for me in this movie that I already like. Um, exactly. Another another example of this is the scene uh, when Kirsten Dunst figures out that they're being uh, that they've been bugged, and she runs over to yeah. Michelle. She runs over to Michelle Williams' place and puts on locomotion. <laughs> Yep. <laughs> so that they can talk to each other, which I have to say, like, remember how one of my criticisms of all the president's men was like, I was surprised by how little of a thing the surveillance bit was. Yeah. Like, they weren't that, they didn't seem that freaked out. And there were only like two scenes where they really were like, oh, better like not talk on the phone because we're being bugged. Um, this movie definitely leans a lot more into the paranoia of being followed. <laughs> In a hilar- in like hilarious ways. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, one thing that all the president's men does not have that this movie has is baby Ryan Reynolds. <laughs> I know. I forgot he was in this as Haldeman's son's college roommate. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's so funny because I'm so used to seeing him as you know thirty something, or I guess maybe, maybe he's in his forties now. I don't, I don't know. I as think. older Ryan Reynolds, I just kind of have never really imagined him as being like early twenties. Like he's just like. He's he's so he's so young. It's so crazy. <laughs> yeah, well, and he's one of those people who like you think of as not really aging. Like from whenever you might, yeah. have, whenever you might have first become aware of him, like around maybe I think um, there's like a National Lampoon franchise where he's like a big man on campus at a college. 
Um, oh, uh, Van Wilder. Van Wilder. Yeah, I, I was I was yeah. thinking of something else. I couldn't. I could not for the life of me come up with the name Van Wilder. Uh, but anyway, yeah. So I've like, never actually I would, seen those movies, but I, but I for some reason retained the title of them. Yeah, I haven't. I don't even know that I've seen them all the way through, but I'm aware of them. And so yeah, like I feel like Van Wilder may be the first thing I remember him being in, but I think of him as being one of those actors who like doesn't really age. Like he looks exactly yeah. the same now as he looked when he was in Van Wilder. But oh my god, he looks so young in this. <laughs> <laughs> and I guess um, the other thing is that he hasn't he hasn't called back to this movie the way he's called back to like the Green Lantern and the Deadpool movies. Yeah. Like he's <laughs> Oh, I still um, haven't seen the Deadpool movies, but um the uh well and while we're while we're calling out relatively minor actors in this one that you probably will not did not appreciate is that uh kirsten dunst's pothead brother is uh brian krakow from my so-called life don't know what that is i know i'm sure it's on our list for the podcast it's a oh god (laughs) it's a stellar it's a really fantastic uh tv series um like actually fantastic, not torture Eric fantastic. No, like, no, no, like legitim- no, like legitimately, <laughs> legitimately a stellar television series. Certainly one of the best, probably one of the best ever. Uh, like wow. high, like high school teen uh, TV show set in high school, and also overall just like a really top quality show. And it only lasted one season, which is a crime. Anyway. So the last thing I had written down about this movie, um, and then I don't know if you have anything else written down. But this is the last thing I had, which is. Um, uh, this is only barely related to to Dick, but uh, spoilers for the Last <laughs> Jedi. This is presage to the Last Jedi by two decades, <laughs> because because Michelle Williams is like wondering about her her dad, about her the the secret disappearance oh. of her dad. And then <laughs> when Nixon produces the files on uh, all the surveillance, all, all the background checks they've been doing, it reveals that he was just a nobody. He was just some, some ra- random guy. <laughs> right. It's, exa- it's exactly what what her mom said happened. Oh, is it? Does, does she say at the start that that's what her mom said happened? Well, her, I'd forgotten that. Yeah, her mom said that, you know, he died when she was little or whatever. And the whole thing is, like, Kirsten Dunst is like, well, maybe you're – it sounds like your mom is lying. And, like, what if – he like ran away or he's like who knows and you might accidentally end up engaged to your brother and like whatever and no oh actually, right 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 he yeah, actually did yeah. die when he was young and he only had one child yeah so <laughs> um no i think i think that that's uh i think that's all i've got to again there's not there's not that much to say other than like this movie is just like delightful and fun <laughs> Yeah, I mean, like, I don't know if I would buy this movie, like, to own and rewatch a million times over. I don't. But it was I don't a fun movie. <laughs> I, I'm happy I saw it. Yeah, I mean, I don't. I don't own this movie. I've. I've really only. I've only seen it a, a handful of times. Like, I haven't seen it in like a million times. Um. So yeah. I. I mean, like, I agree with you. It's like, but it's entertaining, right? Like, it's very entertaining, especially if you've just watched all the President's <laughs> Men. Right. Like, so I, you get I've, all of the references. Yeah, I, th- I think there are a lot of people after the post came out who were saying this should be, you know, double billed with all the president's men. But oh, no, yeah. I think all the president's men in this movie. They, I think I think I would highly encourage people to watch these two back to back. I agree. I think we, we we chose well. I I agree. Um, I mean, honestly, they'd be a great like triple feature, Cause, especially because especially because um, the post really does end like. Like overlaps with where all the president's men starts. Like it ends with Nixon taking a call about the break-in. Oh, you know what we need to do? We need to do a three picture side by side of the Watergate break-in from each of those movies. And you know what? Throw in Forrest Gump. Why not? <laughs> I don't think um, the post doesn't actually show it. It just shows Nixon. No, it does. A call. Really? 
No. The, the, oh, and, you're the right. It totally post, does. It shows the security guard discovering the duct tape, yep, yep, and it yep, shows right. the same right. angle looking down with the flashlights <laughs> in the eighth floor of the Watergate. You're I, totally I, when right. I saw, when I saw the post, I was like, oh, man, Steven Spielberg, <laughs> you put no, the capital B in subtle. <laughs> you're you're totally right. I was because I, I was I was focusing on the very, very end where like it's like a far away view from outside the White House and right. you see Nixon getting the call. Um, but no, I had forgotten that they do. And you're totally right. They do. Sh- they do show the break in and the security guy guard finding it. So, no, you're right. We do need we do need like a like a quick mashup of the, the versions from all three of these movies. Personally, yeah. <laughs> I like the version where a couple of teenagers who snuck out of the Watergate Hotel are really the ones who taped the door shut open. Oh, rather. absolutely. I mean, that's that's just the one. I think that's the one that makes the most sense. If it you is. just think about it rationally, you know, just objectively, dude, that's the one that works. <laughs> absolutely. Yeah. Anyway. Anyway. Um, so we're done so with I think Watergate. This is the now. last of our like special weekend, one-off weekends that I we're think, doing, right? I think you're right. I think that after this, we are back to a regular old podcast. Oh my gosh, madness! It'll be so different, except not really. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, so uh, we. I mean, yeah, this is we can pull back the curtain a little bit. We've actually already started recording season seven of Giant Geek versus Megan Noob. Seven, um, yeah, woo. Um, I don't know when exactly we're going to start airing those episodes. As previously established, I have a bad track record of predicting these. Yeah, these, if we uh, tell you if, things, if we give you a release date, we will absolutely not make that deadline. So correct. <laughs> uh, but do we what do we want to tease uh, what's going to be the first first uh, thing for the next season since we've already recorded it? Absolutely. Um. So. I will be the geek for our first episode next season, um, and we're going to be watching an excellent little film from the 60s uh, starring Audrey Hepburn and Cary Grant known as Charade. It's a delight, and it's a caper. And then we're going to watch the sequel, Pictionary. (laughs) What? (laughs) Oh, because Charades. Oh, my God. Sorry. Sorry. (laughs) No. I will not allow it. (laughs) <laughs> no never mind podcast canceled <laughs> okay. all right well I- I- assuming we do eventually release that episode i'm looking forward to it uh until then emily where can people find you on the internet uh i'm on twitter at ej reports and i'm on twitter at hey hey esj and you can find me on instagram at esj movies Jeez, i'm on instagram too but it's also at ej reports so this is Giant Geek versus Mega Noob getting lunch at McDonald's. Yay! Yay! <laughs> Isn't it against the law to cut up the flag? Not if you sew it back together. This has been Giant Geek vs. Mega Noob. For more, visit GVNPodcast.com.